You're listening to SpecScript. Today's episode, The Twilight Zone, by Jaron George, Tiffany McGuire, and Robbie Pankow. Hello, Kelly's Olympian! How you doing tonight? Hi, Kelly's Olympian. Who's ready to start? SpecScript! Twilight Zone. Uh, yeah, Twilight Zone. Welcome to Specscript. Specscript, for those who are uninitiated here. Who's this first Specscript time? First first time Specscript ever. Yeah. Nice. So Specscript is a live podcast that happens here at Kelly's Olympian every second Sunday of the month where a cool person or persons yeah, writes an episode of a TV show that they've never seen. Never, and, ever, not ever. And then a, a cast of the best and brightest superstars of the generation uh, read that script or scripts allowed on stage. Uh, today, we have a really cool episode because it's October. It's the spookiest time of the year. Scary. I'm, t- I'm too scared to go outside lately. It's October 14th, the scariest day in October. Woo! Yeah, because what's more scary than forgetting the 13th and procrastinating? Uh, it's also Shannon Hunt's birthday today. What's, what's scarier than the TikTok of mortality? <laughs> Um, so today's episode is Twilight Zone, and, and we're going to get copyright flagged. You might say, Chris, Shane, our two hosts, uh, why, uh, like, why, how can you do Twilight Zone? There's no characters, there's no, like, really form, it's always uh, an episodic an- uh, anthology. Well, we do that by having three writers do episodes, three mini-episodes, three ten-page episodes, um... And today's writers are Tiffany McGuire, Robbie Pankow, and Jaron George. So, what we're going to do is we're going to have the cast of the first script come on stage. And then after we read that script, the second, you get it. They're going to come on stage right now of the first script. They're going to tell us their characters and their greatest fear. So, let's bring our cast up. Give it up for the cast of the very first episode. Robbie Pankow, spec script of Twilight Zone. Yeah. Oh, gratata. All right, hi. I am Chris Potomy, and in Robbie Pankow's amazing script, I am reading Yay. the character of the Zone Keeper. <laughs> and I think that's it. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Knock on wood. Bratata. <laughs> yeah, bratata. All right. Um, I'm Shannon Hunt, and in Robbie's script, I am playing Beth. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> what's your greatest fear? Oh, my oh, greatest yeah. fear. Jesus, Chris, what's your greatest fear? Yeah, Chris didn't oh, uh, My greatest fear is heights. I'm, I'm, I'm very classical. <laughs> well, stay away from that ladder. Yeah! <laughs> Happy Halloween! <laughs> oh, it's my turn again? Yeah, uh, yeah what's right, your... Cool. Um, I'm Shannon Hunt. I'm playing Beth, and my greatest fear is I don't like open doors. Oh. I get it. All right. Uh, my name's Jen Saunderson. My greatest fear is a pandemic under this administration. Yeah. And I'm playing a ghost <laughs> and a bartender. And that's all I'm going to say. All right. Woo! Yay. <laughs> uh, my name is Helena Fisher-Welsh. Uh, I am playing Sarah. And I, I guess my greatest fear is sharks, even though they're really not that... Mm-hmm. Harm, harmful. 
You don't need to apologize. But, you know, they're James Wood, the star of the TV show Shark, is very scary. Yeah, it's it's true. It's Hades. Especially his Twitter presence. Happy Halloween! (laughs) Can you say that after everything, Shane? I like this. I could try. Happy Halloween! (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, my name is Nick. I I heard that the Ultimate Warrior TM was here, and I'm pretty (laughs) excited about that. Mm. I'm glad to see him in future episodes. But right now, I am playing the character of Gary. Woo! Yeah, and uh, I don't know. My uh, my greatest fear is uh, '80s slash topical comedy, and uh, that the when the, all the holes, whatever the fear of when like stuff comes up through all the holes uh, at once. Whack a mole. Yes, tryptophobia. Yes, I I get uh, yeah. Uh, I got goosebumps and crinkly skin right now just thinking about it when you, when you said the name. But yes, that that's the thing. Uh, and I'm Shane Hosey. I'll be playing the stage direction slash narrator, and my greatest fear is icebreaker games, so let's move along. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're starting Robbie Pankow's episode of The Twilight Zone. script. Nice. Setting. A dank old crypt. I mean, a zone. We find ourselves in an old dusty zone with cobwebs all over and old books and chandeliers and stuff like that around. We are introduced to a dusty old skeleton man named the uh, Zone Keeper. (laughs) This old bag of bones is our host. (laughs) Greetings! Greetings, boils and ghouls, and gender non-bi-scary folks, and anyone and everyone in the scream. I like that line a lot. (laughs) It is I, the Zone Keeper, your delightfully inclusive host with the ghost. (laughs) Today's story really sucks. (laughs) It's about a group of friends that foregoes small conveniences in the name of the greater good. That is... Until things go from, go on even greater bad. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Greater good, greater bad. (laughs) With no further ado or a dead, I present a little story I like to call, Oh, no thanks, ma'am. I don't use straws. Where's the zone keeper from? <laughs> Yo mama! <laughs> Brother, um, a divy bar. The kind of place where hipsters annoy cheer- career alcoholics with their general existence. A group of friends sit around a table waiting for a server to bring them their drinks. I'm telling you guys, it's called hot yoga because in India or wherever it was invented, it's super hot all the time. So to them, it's just called regular yoga. But it was really helping everybody over there lose weight and open up their third eyes at the same time. And some American noticed it. I think they were studying abroad or something. I think everyone should study abroad. Otherwise, you're just choosing to be uncultured. Anyway, they saw all these Indians. Is it still okay to call them Indians? Uh, 
Maybe. I mean, you are talking about India, but also I think the term Indians is like universally offensive, so probably native Indians because they're native to India? I think that's actually it, yeah. So anyway, she saw all these native Indians just like sweating like crazy and just being so brown and thin. And she was like, oh my God, this is exactly what America needs. So she took videos of them and brought it back to her parents' yoga instructor. And he was like, oh my God, this is totally brilliant. I can't believe we didn't invent this in the US. But she was like, oh my God, Donnie, just don't say where you heard of it. And people will probably just assume we made it up. And it totally worked. And it totally changed my life. You guys have to try it. I would, but you do it Tuesday mornings. I'm always so hungover after Margarita Mondays. I guess maybe it'd be good to sweat it out, though. Is it safe with my Adderall? Jesus, Beth. Heat and Adderall are not connected, idiot. It's fine. Probably better, even because your heart rate will go up, so you'll lose more weight. Just then, the bartender arrives with their drinks. Gary has some kind of whiskey thing with one big ice cube in it. He swears by those big, stupid ice cubes. <laughs> Sarah has a vodka Red Bull, and Beth just has a vodka vodka. <laughs> it's just a glass of vodka. Every time she orders it, she says, I'll get a vodka vodka. And then literally every single time has to explain what that means to the bartender. She does it because she thinks she's being charming and fun, but literally every bartender rolls their eyes. As the drink tray approaches the table, everyone gasps. <gasps> oh my God, did I get your drinks wrong? I'm so sorry. Oh my God, I wish you had gotten the drinks wrong. What is wrong with you? You gave us straws. Come on, girls, we're getting out of here. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you, did you say no straws? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I can, I can throw them away. That's exactly the problem. You're just going to throw them away. Did you know there are more straws in the ocean than fish? <laughs> By giving us these three straws, you just said, I hate fish and the earth. And honestly, it's disgusting how little you care about being mindful. We only have one earth, and the one thing we can do to save it is stop using straws. <laughs> Gary holds up his iPhone X to the server's face, brightness all the way up, adding insult to injury. Look, here's a Yelp review I just wrote. No one mindful is coming here ever again. Next, I'm writing the MBB. The MBB? Uh, the Mindful Business Bureau. God, not only are you completely evil, but you're also completely an idiot. Let's go, girls. As they storm out of the bar, coincidentally, Shania's tw Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman starts up over the bar's speakers. It's purely a coincidence. Has nothing to do with the story, but the timing was just totally crazy, so I thought it was worth mentioning. <laughs> <laughs> Gary spits in the bartender's face on the way out. <clears throat> but, but if only they knew. She hangs her head in shame as Gary, one big stupid ice cube, slowly melts. <laughs> we next find our crew sitting in Gary's condo, plotting. All still very steamed. I've got half a mind to call the PC police on that place. Oh my God, we should. Those guys mean business. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. We, we can't be around the PC police. Last summer, I said the N-word at a karaoke when I was singing a Drake song, and someone called him on me. I stuck out the back when the car pulled up, but I got warrants. It was totally fucked up, too, because it's part of the song. Yeah, everyone knows if it's a part of the song, it's fine. If you don't want people to say it, they shouldn't write it in that way. I'm so sorry that happened to you, Gary. Some people are just too sensitive these days. <laughs> well, then, what should we do? I have an idea. 
Gary opens an Ikea chest to reveal 14 Molotov cocktails. This will show them the ocean is important. Upon the sight of these explosives, the three of them are filled with a kind of horniness only impending violence in the name of mindfulness can provoke. The three of them start making out in a fit of self-satisfaction, taking turns watching themselves in the mirror and just getting hornier and hornier because they look all so hot and full of ethics. This is truly what Jesus would do. Sarah reaches over and cranks the Father John Misty, and they all writhe and moan as the camera fades to black. We fade back up on Beth, Sarah, and Gary in the parking lot of the bar. Gary pops the drunk. (laughs) Gary pops the trunk, (laughs) and then pops the Ikea chest that's in the trunk. For comedic reasons, I wish there was a third thing he had popped, but that would take away from the story and just make it into a naked gun style thing, which has its place, but I didn't want to write something as silly as that. Sorry. (laughs) I'm going to show this place what happens when you choose convenience over the ocean. Drink this in, scum. Gary hurls a flaming bottle at the side of the bar. It explodes and the building catches fire. Plus, if the straws all burn down, they can't pollute our beautiful waters. It's perfect. We should burn down every bar that still uses them. Unless they use paper straws. Those are environmentally safe and just as functional. Plus, they're so cute. Straws. Don't be weird, Beth. Shut up, Gary. You know I would never whisper. Whispering is so gross. It wasn't me. Plastic straws. Whoever is doing that, cut it out. We're doing the right thing. This is mindful. We are woke. The ghost of the bartender shows up. You. Yes, it's me. I was just a friendly neighborhood bartender until you shaved me to death. I died of the embarrassment you caused me, and now it's your turn. You will pay for what you have done to me. You're, you're not a real ghost. You're, you're, you're just trying to scare us. Oh, yeah? The ghost up, floats up in the air and starts spinning in circles. Too easy. I go to Coachella every year. <laughs> I remember Tupac's hologram. Yours just looks cheap. Sorry, honey. You're going to have to try harder than that to scare us. The ghost rips Sarah's head off and com- completely and holds it up by her hair. Ah! Happy Halloween. <laughs> okay, touche. That's pretty scary. You got us. Just let us leave, please. No, Beth, we can't listen to this polluter win in life or death. Gary starts hurling Molotov cocktails at the ghost, which obviously doesn't do anything because it's a ghost and explosives don't really do shit to ghosts. You people need to be mindful or righteous. You're just assholes. You've, you've just latched on to one super specific thing you saw on Facebook and weaponized it to feel superior to the people around you. <laughs> You've made one minuscule change to your habits and you go around acting like a bunch of fucking superheroes. You are trash and you will pay. With that, the ghost lifts the Ikea trunk out of the car, uh, car, trunk out of the car trunk in a very eerie and mystical fashion and uses it to clonk Beth and Gary over the head, knocking them both unconscious. 
Beth rubs her eyes. She doesn't know where she is and cannot see. She can feel herself rhythmically being jostled around, but everything is black outside, the two small holes exposing a blue sky. Where, where am I? Where the fuck am I? Help! Gary, wake up! Help! Uh, what? What? What's going on? Who, who am I? Is this hell? Shut up, Gary. This is no time for an existential crisis. We're trapped. Oh my god. I recognize this interior. This is my IKEA trunk. Oh my god. I can't believe we both fit in it. Kind of incredible, right? Like, seriously, IKEA has some good shit. We should go if we ever make it out of this. Oh my god, for sure. Have you had the Swedish meatballs? They're so yummy. Ew, Gary, I don't eat meat. You know that. Oh, me either. God. Uh, unless it's from another culture, because I don't want to be insensitive to different cultures. But these are Swedish, so it's like, if there, you should, you know, respect the culture, you know? Culture. I guess you have a point. <laughs> Shut the fuck up! <laughs> you idiots aren't going to make it to the goddamn Ikea. You're gonna fucking die! No! What do you want from us? We're good people. We're very mindful. Very. <laughs> oh, are you? Let's put that to the test. With you in the trunk is a, small pla- is a pack of small plastic straws. This is the only thing that can save you. I am about to heave this trunk directly into the Pacific Ocean. Splash. No! We'll do anything. Will you? I'm going to stop with that. (laughs) Your bodies are just light enough for this trunk not to sink. This pack of straws I have put in in with you will tip the scale. If the both of you and these straws stay in this trunk, you will sink and die. If you push the straws out of the slit in the top of the trunk, you will float and live long enough for our guests to arrive in one hour. Our guests? Oh, yes. In one hour, an anti-straw protest will begin, right in the very spot on the beach. Boats will arrive, and the shores will be flooded with protesters. Mm. And you two will either be dead at the bottom of the ocean, or surrounded by plastic straws, wearing your brand new polluter shirts I outfitted you in while you are asleep! These protesters will skin you alive! That'll never work. We'll just explain what you did. You'll never get away with this. Oh. They'll let you explain, just like you let me explain at the bar. Just let you let me explain, and that our bar serves biodegradable straws made of corn? (gasps) What? But you didn't do that, did you? You tore me apart before I could say a word. Do you really think these people are going to listen to your little ghost story? That the ghost of a dead bartender locked you in a box with a bunch of straws? You'll be eaten alive. So the choice is yours. Drown or deal with people like yourselves. But we're good people. Fuck it. Let's dump these straws. No! Beth shoves Gary hard, and his head hits the side of the trunk, knocking him unconscious. This causes the trunk to rock, and the water begins <laughs> filling the trunk. The trunk slowly sinks to the bottom of the ocean, and Beth and Gary drown to death. 
<laughs> I can't believe those assholes thought I was a ghost. The ghost pulls off their ghost mask to reveal they're just a regular-ass bartender. I knew, I knew they wanted to take me seriously if it was just me. And now they're dead. Mission accomplished, baby. The bartender then pulls a bunch of straws out of her pocket and throws them in the ocean for good measure, just to be a dick. <laughs> God, I hate the ocean. <laughs> Fade to black. Back in the crypt-like zone. Well, I thought there'd be sound effects with that. To the listeners at home, I used a straw. Ah, Here, wait, wait. Let me let me cue you in with a sound effect. Ready? <laughs> Daddy likes. Ah, nothing goes down smoother than ice cold revenge. Well, kitties, I hope you enjoyed that little. Personally, I thought it was a bit of a sinker. (laughs) Ah, Well, till next time, this is your old friend, the Zone Keeper, signing off. See you next time in the script of uh, Twilight Zone. Now, next cast, get on up here. So, this script is written by Tiffany McGuire and is titled Twilight Zone, Love is Horror. Uh, and Tiffany McGuire is amazing. Uh, she is a great friend of Spec Script. She's been in many a sode and uh, she is just an angel among angels and a demon among demons. Uh, call Dan Brown because she is the book Angels and Demons. Um, Alright, so... Uh, Same thing, the name, the character you're playing, and your greatest fear. So, hi, my name is Chris Hotomy. I'm playing Rod Sterling, and my second greatest fear is uh, water that I can't see the bottom of, which is kind of like heights, but wet. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's me. Uh, My name is Robbie, I'm playing the character Edward, and my biggest fear is uh, finishing this sentence. Bye. Um, I'm Shannon, I'm playing the uh, live studio audience and nice old lady, and my greatest fear is performing on stage. Liar. (laughs) Hi, I'm Alexandra Jade, Uh, I'm playing Maggie. Uh, My greatest fear is strangers coming up and hugging me at bars, which happened half an hour ago. Uh, you're I not said a I was stranger. Sorry. I love you. Hi, my name's Tiffany McGuire. I wrote this thing, and I'm playing the studio audience, and I was really hoping you'd ask what our favorite horror movie was, so I had that planned. What's your um, favorite horror movie, Tiffany? Well, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say It and It Follows, so my greatest fear are clowns and sexually communicable demons. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'm Lydia Manning. I'm playing Renee. And my greatest fear is that I'm gonna sprain my ankle again doing something not cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Same. Uh, my name is Jenny Zagrino. I'm playing Bella. And my biggest fear um, are porcelain dolls because of the horror movie dolls. 
What? You guys know that one where they take the eyeballs out? Fuck that. It's horrifying. Okay. And I'm Shane Hosey. I'm playing the stage directions. And my second greatest fear is, uh, ooh, microphones. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Happy uh, Halloween. <laughs> wait, oh. there's more. But wait, there's more. Uh-huh. I'm Jaron George, and um, I will be playing Jacob. And uh, studio audience uh, number 56, I don't know. And uh, my biggest fear is, uh, oh, my biggest fear if, if Safeway runs out of carrot cake, especially the one the hot dog. <laughs> Baby loves cake. Uh, all right, let's start Tiffany McGuire's episode of Twilight Zone, Love is Horror. Interior, nondescript white backdrop, nondescript time of day. Rod Serling, a middle-aged white man, appears, smoking a cigarette. He might be the same smoking man from the X-Files, and nobody can prove otherwise. He wears a suit, because this is nondescript white backdrop is formal. He speaks, and you have to listen to him, because he's the only man in sight. Hello! (coughs) Hello. Imagine, if you will, another worldly dimension. A cosplay version of Earth. It's pretty messed up here, just like your reality and Shane's mom. (laughs) But it's not your miserable life, so it's a little like a vacation. Imagine this dimension is the impossible, that if if you love something too much, it ruins everything. You are about to enter this world, so suspend your disbelief and strap in. Submitted for your approval. For some unknown reason, you are about to enter. The Twilight Zone. Interior, Edward and Bella's living room, day. Edward, 127 years old, sparkly, ugly eyes, look 17, walks through the front door. He is home after a long day's work, and this is his zone. His twilight zone. Hi, honey, I'm home. An audience applause breaks out. Nobody can explain it, but nobody. (laughs) Nobody is surprised. Bella, 35, pretty, brooding, looks 18. Appears in a day dress, apron, and full makeup, but looks frazzled. Oh, hello. Edward pays no mind to the tepid response. What did I miss while I was gone? What kind of hijinks did my perfect family get into? Well, Maggie killed five pigeons, and Renee has been threatening to turn the entire town into Vampireville, USA, unless we get her a kitten. Oh, a kitten. That sounds like just the ticket. We'll go to the shelter and pick out a kitten tomorrow. Bella stares blankly. I just want to die. What was that, honey? That, is that a good idea? Of course it is. A kitten would really brighten up our world. Imagine how sharp the black would be and how crisp the white would be and all those shades of gray, even grayer. Just then, Renee, eight years old, a young girl covered in blood, runs into the room. Daddy, Daddy, did you say we can get a kitten? Can we really? I sure did, Pumpkin. Bella looks horrified. Renee Samay Merlot-Cullen, whose blood is that? What blood, Mama? Renee looks mischievous and glances at her dad. They both giggle. (laughs) (laughs) 
The Invisible Studio audience also laughs. Bella takes notice this time and looks annoyed. What a little rascal. Interior, animal shelter, day. The Cullen family enter the shelter and the children look eager. Maggie, six years old, spots a family of chinchillas. Her eyes get wide. Don't even think about it, you murderous little hell spawn. But mom! Renee notices the kittens. There they are. Aren't they perfect? How do we pick just one? That's a good question, pumpkin. Find a way! (laughs) One is all we get. One is all we could possibly handle. They find the perfect kitten. Black and white, just like everything else. (laughs) I'm going to name him Bloodhound. Brilliant. I'll fill out the paperwork. Edward approaches the desk. Bella and the girls stay behind where the kittens are. Bella grabs Renee by the arm and crouches down to her level. Listen, we need to lay down some rules. It's important that you listen. Are you listening? Renee rolls her eyes. Yes, Mama. There are only two. Rule number one, never, ever bite him, okay? He's going to bite you back, and you're not going to want to bite him back, but never, under any circumstances, do that. Rule number two, care for him. Look after him. Don't love him. What? Loving anything or anyone is dangerous. Terrible things will happen when you love. Worse things will happen if you love too much. Bella suddenly produces a pocket mirror and gazes at her unaged reflection. A reflection which she has, thank you very much. (laughs) Bella looks sad. You will never be able to predict the kind of horror that can take over your life when you love something too much. Bella darts her eyes to where Edward is standing and narrows them. Then darts her eyes to her mirror. Then Edward. Then the mirror. Renee is confused but unfazed. Sure, Mama, you got it. Bella has no time to elaborate. Margaret Zinfandel Cullen, put down that creature at once! Maggie looks at the rat she has in her hands and then wipes the predatory look off her face. She thinks fast and says to the rat, Uh, you're dumb and you smell bad. (laughs) (laughs) The studio audience uh, gets it and laughs. Bella is not amused. You know what I meant! Maggie huffs and sets the rat back in the cage where she found him. He scurries off into his safe enclosure. Montage. Renee and Bloodhound bond. Scene A. Renee, sweat, baby, sweat, baby, sex okay. the Texas. Uh, Renee and Bloodhound kind of share a tea party. Scene B. Bloodhound is dressed like a pretty pink prince. We're going to get, we're gonna get content flag. We're going to get copyright flag. He, is a, he has a tiara. You'd think it'd be tacky, but it's delicate and tasteful. Scene C, Renee pushes Bloodhound in a toddler swing. Scene D, Bloodhound and Renee spy the most beautiful swarm of butterflies. They see colors for the first time in their lives. Bloodhound pounces and murders each and every last one of them. Renee pets him smugly. Interior, Renee's bedroom, night. Renee and Bloodhound are tucked in bed together. Good night, Bloodhound. I love you. From the next room, Maggie enters Renee. Maggie sends Renee a telepathic message. Oh, did we not mention he can do that? They can do that. I heard that. Mind your business. Mama said not to love. Mama said love is dangerous. Do you believe everything Mama says? No. <laughs> Go to sleep, Magfart. The girls go to sleep. Renee wakes up to the sound of something in her closet rustling. Bloodhound? Renee spots Bloodhound, now curled up at the foot of her bed, looking alert. 
That's weird. Renee walks to her closet to investigate the noise. As she approaches, she, she hears something scraping on the closet door from the inside. She slows down and slides the door open cautiously. A kitten hisses and zips out. What? Renee whips around to see two kittens, Bloodhound on her bed, and another kitten who looks just like Bloodhound. The Bloodhound replicant spots the real Bloodhound, and the two square off. What? Just then, another kitten jaunts out from under the bed with a hiss. What? The three identical kittens tangle up in a brawl. Which one of you is Bloodhound? Renee grabs a kitten out of the brawl at random. She slashes him, stashes him in the closet. <laughs> she stashes him in the closet and closes the door. She grabs another kitten and stashes him in the kitten carrier. She leaves one out. Mom, Dad. Edward and Bella burst through the door. What's happening? Okay, uh, don't freak out. You literally just screamed for us. I know, but maybe this is good news. You scream for good news in the middle of the night? You're supposed to be sleeping. What is going on? I love good news. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, so you know Bloodhound? Edward picks up the only kitten in sight. This adorable little dude? Uh, yeah, sure, maybe. What do you mean, maybe? I mean, I don't know which kitten is Bloodhound. What do you mean, which kitten? Renee unzips the cat carrier. Two kittens pounce. Oh, no. Where did they come from? I I don't know, but there's more. Renee opens the closet door. Three kittens come out, tumbling out. Oh, no. Resume pin one more Colin! Maggie groggily peers into Renee's room and sees six identical kittens. It's a bloodhound gang. Ooh. Whenever there's trouble, we're on the double, we're the bloodhound gang. If you've got the crime, we've got the time, we're the bloodhound gang. Hey, Daddy! What is wrong with you? 1983, PBS, 321 contact. Come on, fam. The girls chime in. What, ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Whenever there's trouble, we're on the double. We're the bloodhound gang. If you've got the crime, we've got the time. We're the bloodhound gang. The audience whoops and claps. Bella looks bewildered. How... How do you even know that? Didn't you say 1983? Isn't that the future? Everyone shrugs. Okay, well, we've got to get rid of these kittens. No, Mama. What do you mean, no? I don't know which one is Bloodhound, and I love him. Renesame Cabernet Sauvignon Cullen. (laughs) What did you say to me? I love him. What did I tell you about loving anything? It's dangerous. <laughs> what an odd thing to say. <laughs> there are six kittens here, Edward. A seventh kitten peers from under the nightstand. The eighth and ninth kittens pop their heads out from a pile of stuffed animals. Fantastic. Now we're six and we were six and now there are nine. Six and then nine? Well, uh, gee, honey, I don't know why, but that nice. sounds nice. <laughs> nice. The studio audience giggles. Nice, nice. 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 
so nice. 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 No, not nice. Um, Mama, I smell smoke, and I think we're missing a kitten. We had the candles lit in our room. <laughs> that doesn't smell like strawberry vanilla. No, it smells like fire! Bella dashes down the hall to see her bedroom up in flames and a confused little kitten mewing. She scoops him up. The fire spreads quickly. It's time to go, everyone. we got to get out. I've got to get all the kittens. Edward decides now's a good time as any to reveal that his red eyes actually double as laser lights to wrangle the kittens into one spot. You've got you've to be kidding me. I, I didn't know you could do that. Babe, I'm not kidding you. <laughs> the studio audience laughs and applauses. Bella has no time to be annoyed. They each carry out a few kittens, and as they stand outside their burning home, they hear sirens in the distance. I really tried to warn you, Renee. Unpredictable, catastrophic things happen when you love. Uh, Mom, I heard her say I love you to Bloodhound last night. Shut up, maggot. It must have set off a chain reaction. A fire truck pulls up, and a beautiful fireman walks out to them. He's not wearing a shirt. Uncle Jacob? Jacob, 35, rugged, hot as hell, like seriously ripped, gives the family a glorious smile. For a second, they forget their house was burning down before them. We're here to help. Sorry, I didn't have time to put on the shirt. The studio audience cheers. Yeah. We don't mind. Thanks for being here, buddy. Is, Is that a kitten? In the window, they see a tiny bloodhound lookalike. The kitten mews, and the entire family hears it with their super sharp hearing. We've got to save him. I'm here to help. Jacob transforms into a massive wolf and runs into the burning house. Wolf Jacob appears again, carrying the kitten, who is not okay. Wolf Jacob whimpers and drops the kitten in Renee's hands. Jacob returns back to his human form and hugs Renee. No, bloodhound. Several other kittens mew. I love him so much, and he's going to die. He can't die. He can't. Give him to me. Renee hands off the dying kitten. Bella sees her child in pain. It's too much to bear. She can't deny the feelings of love she's pushed down for so long. Against all logic, she needs to make it better. Honey. Bella. Mama. What did you just do? Bella looked down to see that the kitten had been bitten. By her. Oh no, I, I just wanted to make it better. By making it immortal? Ha <laughs> ha, Schrodinger's kitten. The studio audience gets it, they always do. <laughs> and, and thirsty for blood? All kittens are thirsty for blood, Jacob. The kitten rouses. Bloodhound. Sure, maybe. Maybe, bloodhound. Oh no, look around. Bella looks up to see kittens in the trees. One kitten pokes his head out of a mailbox. Kittens are perched on the fences. Dozens of kittens in every direction. But there's one difference between this and the first batch of kittens. These kittens all have piercing red eyes. Everyone looks back at Bella. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah, this one is definitely not me. (laughs) No no bones about it. This is uh, my fault. I did this. Okay. 
All of the immortal kittens scatter. The family and Jacob stare at the wreckage of the Cullen home as the firemen extinguish the last of the flames. Uh, honey, I, I think you just doomed humanity. Look around you, Edward. That's what love does. It dooms and makes fools of all of us. Exterior, a farmhouse in the country, day. A nice old lady, 60s, farm dress, goes to her porch to find an adorable kitten mewing for attention. Why, look at you, you precious little munchkin. Are you lost? Well, you can definitely stay here. You'll love the cows and the chickens. Maybe you can catch some rodents for us. The immortal kitten purrs as the old lady introduces him to his new home. Interior, nondescript white backdrop, nondescript time of day. Rod Serling takes a long drag of his cigarette before putting it out on the floor with his shoe. Well, there you have it, folks. I think we've all learned our lessons here. Camera pans out to see Rod walk off the set and out the door. The camera follows him outside. Rod walks across the street. Rod walks five blocks to the beach. Rod walks directly into the ocean. Nobody stops him, and everybody understands. Rod was never heard from again. The studio audience, however, was disappointed. (laughs) The end. That was Twilight Zone, Love is a Horror, written by Tiffany McGuire, on to our final episode of the night. Everybody get on stage who's in this one. Give it up for Jaron George's episode, Paul of Suburbia! What? He's a Star Wars character that no one cares about. Ah, uh, Watto though. Uh, Watto though. Anyone here fan of blank check? Oh, are we just alienating everyone? Yeah, my man. Uh, you know, favorite, favorite fear, least favorite fear, favorite horror movie, uh, a guy that you met once, anything, just kind of spooky name. guy. Like, yeah. Like a spooky, scary yeah, guy. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, hi, I am Chris Hotomy. Uh, I am in this one also, and I am playing host, and my, uh, the, the scariest thing that I've ever seen, uh, are those clowns in Washington, D.C., am I right? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, hey, I'm Jaron, and I'll be playing uh, the mayor. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Oh, yeah. Oh, we have more fears? Oh, shit. <laughs> Do anything you want. I know. We don't have a lot of stuff. Um, hey, um, um, uh, Kit Kats that are unwrapped and uh. just left on the counter. Yeah. <laughs> Based on a true story. It's true. It's true. Uh, hey, uh, I'm Nick. I am playing Thomas. And, uh, yeah, uh, forgetting that I have candy in my pockets. Mm. Uh, my name is Helena. Um, my second greatest fear is the movie Hereditary, uh, which I watched the last Fair 15 point. minutes of like this when I saw it in theaters. Thank you. 
My name is Tiffany McGuire. I stated my fears before, but I guess if I have to state a third horror movie fear, it's uh, Nightmare Demons. Uh, my name's Jen Saunderson. I get to play the part of Paul, and my biggest fear is eating lollipops in the wind with long hair. <laughs> I'm Jenny Zagrino, and I'm playing the part of Starbucks barista, and my biggest fear is that one day I'll have to be a Starbucks barista. <laughs> Sorry, baristas out there. Your job sucks. <laughs> That's why my sister quit. Uh, my name is Shane Hosey. I am playing the uh, narrator, stage directions, and my third biggest fear is Chris Hotomy. That's why I make him sit over there. Ooh. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> I'm a bad communicator. <laughs> I spring plans on you about the show without you knowing them. <gasps> That's just what happened to me. That's what I do. Bone chilling. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Alex. <laughs> I already got a mic, buddy. Uh, don't let Shane see. Uh, I'm Alexander Jade. I'm going to play Philip. Yep. Uh, yes. Oh. Uh, my other fear is when you look at windows at night, just dark windows, because I always think there's going to be a spooky face. Oh, yeah. They, oh. <laughs> it happened one time. A spooky face, like All right. Willem Dafoe. Um, so let's start. Paul of Suburbia, Paul of written Suburbia. by oh. Jaron George. Suburbia. Give it up for him. There we go. <laughs> a cool, sophisticated man in a fancy tuxedo walks up to the camera while smoking a cigarette. He stares into the camera and be begins addressing the audience of some story, like if they were going to be so impressed or something. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, just small, but yet convenient town with characters. We find Paul, a 34-year-old aspiring actor, ready to move out of his mom's basement, yeah, right, and on to Hollywood. Okay, what? Am I, am I reading this correctly? Is, is he living in his mom's basement? Like, really? Like, then trying to make it to Hollywood? Ugh. So he's just gonna skip America's Got Talent? What? Ugh, go with his gut. What? No, this guy must be missing a step. More like steps, am I right, America? Ugh, I'm just the host telling you the situation. I don't know this Paul guy, but good luck, buddy. Ugh, why I picked Paul and not his next door neighbor, Greg, I don't know. Eh, don't worry about it, audience. You know, it must be good. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, Paul, he lives in a small town with his best friends, and surprise, surprise, they aren't his internet gaming friends, just him and his old childhood friends in his room playing Settlers of Catan. Ugh. I bet he likes Kate, too. Self-insert character much? Uh, did I say this room? I mean his mother's basement. Enjoy. Oh, yeah, enjoy yourselves in this, uh, the Twilight Zone, yada, 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 yada. You know what this is. Blah, blah, gratata. Exit me. The host walks away while opening his flask and taking a long swig from it. We find Paul and his friends playing a competitive game of Settlers of Catan. Paul makes an announcement during his turn. I got the audition! Melissa and St Thomas start congratulating Paul. Wow. It's going to be my time. No more being the mall Santa Claus in our only town mall, which is so accessible. And plus, 
No more photo shoots for grandma's friend Carol. This time, I get to keep my money and my clothes. Wait, wait, what? Huh? Don't worry about that. This is my dream. Support my dream! You have to get the part first, genius. Then you have your dream. Well, you better act fast, because I just heard that MTV's age threshold has shrunk again. Lifetime just brought it down to 24. Yikes! Plus... Thomas leans over to Paul with a serious tone. Remember what happened to Philip? He thought he could make it, you know? Now he's a mailman. He loves it, though. Brags about his Fitbit goals. Don't say that. I'm nothing like Philip. I am Paul Preston's. I'm going places. Says the guy who still lives in his mom's basement. You talk a big game. He sure does talk a big game. Speaking of big game, hurry up with your turn. I got a hot date in a few hours. Mom! It's bad enough you're friends with my friends and playing Catan in my room! That's because your friends think I am cooler than you and we're always hanging out in my basement. Sorry, Paul, but Nicole is pretty cool. We asked her to be our friend, remember? It was your birthday and you cried for the whole time. (laughs) This also made us like her more. Hey, I remember what happened last week. Hey, Mom. (laughs) Just roll the dice. Paul's mom, Nicole, rolls the dice and gets a seven. She starts celebrating. Someone's getting robbed up in here and I'm robbing you, Paul. Mom, I'm your son. I'm not even winning. Well, then how are you going to pay rent while living in my basement since you don't work? Hey, someone trade their water for his wheat because that's a burn. Everyone laughs at Paul and his demise (laughs) plus Nicole's sick burn as she chooses what card to take randomly out of his hand. But Paul only has one card. Like, she really didn't have to do this, but it's pretty hilarious. Her own son, no remorse. This move is not helping anyone, but just laughter that's directed at Paul. Meanwhile, the host comes back in the shot and flicks his cigarette to the side. No one notices because of some dimensional laws of physics. I'm not going to get into it. Don't DM me after this episode. (laughs) Hi, it's your host again, me, host... What's my real name? Uh, Look, the story and this crazy predicament is what you need to focus on, but it's weird, right? Uh, I mean, he's 34. You see, the suburban town plays tricks on old Paul, and the residents of Settleville... It's a town where you make friends from school and they grow up to be your neighbors, your doctors, hell, even your bartender. And who doesn't make eye contact with you because he doesn't like you? And you start thinking, is it me? The next day, Paul and his friends went to meet with Philip at the newer Starbucks in town located on Homestead Avenue. They get the best, they get the best, they get the best mocha frops in town. Located conveniently downtown. <sighs> Paul wanted to tell Philip about his audition and rub it in his face, even though this is his sixth audition and sixth time rubbing it in Philip's face. Little did he know Philip is content. You see, now that he has his family and great job and a car, he just refinanced. His dreams and uh, ambition is long gone. <sighs> now, when he has time, he just takes the drive to Starbucks and has one of those delicious mocha frappuccinos. Damn! Ugh, with the whipped cream on top, mmm, daddy-like. 
Philip is at the table waiting for Paul and friends to arrive. He's tapping his foot and looking at his watch impatiently, knowing he has to pick up his kids from school in ten minutes. But he has time, since this Starbucks is nicely located just down the street from the school. Paul, Melissa, and Thomas enter the Starbucks. They see Philip and wave to him. Proceed to the counter and order from the menu. Hi, Paul. How's your afternoon? Whoa, how, how did you know my name? This is Settleville, buddy. We know everyone's name in Settleville. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's because you love to order your mocha frappuccinos and your third member of our settled and Settleville Starbucks fan club looks like you ordered enough frappuccinos to get you three free frappuccinos! Yeah! Wow. It's my lucky day. I also got an audition. Oh, wow. Where's that, buddy? Hollywood! (laughs) Oh. I had an audition there, but uh, I didn't get it. And then uh, I didn't get in the band, so... uh, But I get paid with smiles and coffee, so... (laughs) Uh, Your three mochas are ready. Have a good day. (laughs) The Starbucks barista hands them their dope mocha fraps. They sit down and join Philip at the table. Let me guess. You're here to rub in my face that you got an audition and you might go to Hollywood so I can be jealous. How did you know? (laughs) Because you always do this, Paul. You bring your friends, just go on and on about your stupid audition. What is it this time? A car dealership commercial? An anti-drug TV show for kids? Your grandmother friend... your, Your grandmother's friend's Carol's home videos? I thought you were done with Carol. I needed the money. (laughs) Listen, number one, Carol said those videos were going to stay between her and my grandma and her friends. (laughs) Number two, the audition is for a main part of a TV show about this guy and his team of puppies who runs a bakery. That makes no sense. And it's not even sanitary. Shut up, Tommy. That shit is adorable. How dare you tell the <clears throat> how dare you tell me this, Paul? You know I love puppies and I always wanted to be an actor to move to Hollywood, but now I have kids to raise. Ah! My jealousy is kicking in. Ah! Philip's jealousy takes over his sense of pride has dropped to 13%. <laughs> Philip then gives a chilling warning to Paul. You think you're getting out of this town? Well, guess what? What? No, you were supposed to say, guess not, say, wait, what? <laughs> no, you were supposed to guess not, say what? I, I don't want to guess, so that's why I'm saying what. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I understand, but you could have just said, I choose not to guess, and <laughs> I choose not to guess, and I want you to tell me why I'm not getting out of this town. Okay, okay, just tell us. This town, there's something special about it, and it keeps us here. Name someone famous that moved out of Settleville. <laughs> the answer is no one. Nada. Zero. Not a single. All right, Philip. I can count. I don't get it. I wonder why no one leaves. Everyone takes a sip of their sweet beverages. <laughs> mm, we love mocha frappuccinos. The best in town. Whoa, hey. Hey, that's weird. It's just coffee. Forget about it. While everyone makes sweet, sweet, mouth-gulping love to their fraps, it's that host guy again here and gives us the scoop. 
I would I would do that as your narrator and all, but it's not in my contract. Uh, mm, those frops look delicious. I would sprinkle a dash of nutmeg on it. Mm-mm-mm. Just nice. Uh, if only I can just have some of that sweet, sweet, sweet nectar on my tongue. But alas, I can't. Uh, anyways, Paul and his friends headed back to the house and noticed the mayor's car parked outside of Nicole's driveway. The mayor? Uh-oh, somebody fucked up. <laughs> oh, Isn't that the mayor's car? What's he doing here? Paul, Melissa, and Thomas enter the house and startled to see the mayor and his mom making out on the living room couch. Mom? Mayor Rose Medler? What is this? Paul, we have some news. Me and the mayor are getting married, and I'm moving. Plus, we need you to move. I'm selling the house. That's fine. I got my addition, so not only... Not only I don't need to find a place here because I'll be in L.A., and I don't have to witness this. What the fuck, dude? You're the mayor. Why my mom? Why? Paul, I'm a hot single mama who is trying to get her freak on. The only problem is that I have a son who has nightmares while arguing with his ex-girlfriend 10 years ago. I can hear you in the night. But Jessica can't. But Jessica can't. Hey, I, I just want to say, Paul, future stepson, buddy, it's all good, man. Just mellow out. I can get you a job if this audition doesn't work out. You want to be a bus driver? Well, vroom, vroom. <laughs> I got you. Oh, mayor of the city's own donut shop? Oh, oh. Ooh, I love that place. Let them just be happy, Paul. Face it, you won't get the part. You need a fallback plan. Why leave this place? Why leave the best Frappuccino in town? (laughs) See that, son? Listen to everyone here. You won't make it out there in Hollywood. You barely can make it out of this house. Remember you tried to live out of your car to prove you didn't need me because I made you take out the trash? (laughs) Do we have to talk about that? That was last month. Paul starts whining and pleading his case. I can't believe what I'm hearing. My friends, my mom, my future stepdad! Oh, thank you, future stepson! Hey, Paul, don't get mad at us. You've never even taken acting classes. You haven't even recorded an embarrassing YouTube video blog. Hey, buddy, it's cool. We have each other. You're friends. Yeah, but I don't have anyone to love. I need this audition. I gotta get out of here. I have to clear my head. Wait, Paul. Yes, Mama? Since you're heading to reflect at your usual crying place down by the lake, um, try to be home after 10 p.m. Why? Got to start the mayor up. Let's just say there's... Let's just say there's some city proposals you and your mom has to go over with. If you catch what I'm saying. Wink, wink, wink. What? Let's just say I'm giving your mom the key to the city. (laughs) 
<laughs> When's the ceremony? Let's just say it's this evening. Wait, then I won't have time to. We're gonna fuck, Paul. <laughs> Don't come home. Ew, gross. Paul slams the door and takes off running. He runs all the way down the street. Uh, shouldn't we stop him? No. The ghost of Settleville has a plan for him. A plan for the one who doesn't settle in Settleville. <laughs> Besides, I miss my long-lost son. Everyone is shocked and gasped <gasps> at what mom's, Paul's mom just revealed. They start whispering to each other like it's some kind of gossiping soap opera TV show. Nicole starts explaining about how she has a long-lost twin son that she had to give up in order to keep this town motivated and positive. Everyone starts nodding with in agreement. Mm. Paul starts walking down the street while kicking rocks in a hopeless way. The host starts walking up behind Paul. <laughs> mm. As Paul is left gasping for air at Homestead Avenue, little did he know that as the planets align and when molecules react, a chain reaction of optical and probable sequences rips a hole in our dimensional scientific quantum physical terminology. <laughs> so angry. Yeah, they're right. I won't make it in Hollywood, but I'm so mad now. No one believes in me. I will make them pay for laughing at me. If I had powers, I would break through the fourth wall and narrate their lives while exploding them. Exploiting them. <laughs> well, Very different words. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, I agree, Paul. Those are different words, and it's your lucky day, buddy. Whoa, where did you come from? From everywhere. I've been listening to your problems. I got a solution, baby. You want to be an actor? Well, my job is to tell a story to an audience and show them what is happening while giving them an uneasy feeling that anything can happen. Whoa! It's like breaking the fourth wall. Yes, exactly. Call me Chris Jericho, because I break the walls down. Anyway. Plus, that was for three of you. <laughs> my man. Plus, it's your lucky day. I'm quitting this job and returning home to see my mom, who I haven't seen since I was a kid. <sighs> Would you help a guy out? You know, to leave this cursed, I mean, awesome job uh, that he can be back with his mommy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, huh? In order to bring me back and for you to take this fabulous, ghost-like, cool job, just say this name three times and it should work. Matthew Prestons. You got it. This deal works for both of us. All right. Matthew Preston's, Matthew Preston's, Matthew Preston's. Hey, that's my last name. Suddenly, magic smoke <laughs> appears around them and the sound of the Twilight Zone music theme plays. <laughs> we're going to get a copyright strike. Magically, they swap places, but in place of Paul was an older lookalike, but his name was Matthew. Yes, queen baby, I am free. Oh, you fool, you stupid dummy. I was your long-lost brother, trapped 
uh, to this cursed TV show about chilling tales that will question what is real or even what science. What? I know what show that is. Isn't it called Dim Lighted Area or something? What? No, it's called... Oh, I know. Sunset space. What? No, no, no. That doesn't even, uh... Early evening glow rain. God damn it, it's the Twilight Zone. Hosted by Rod Sterling, then Forrest Whitaker, and soon Jordan Peele. Uh, now you're stuck here until another poor soul tries to leave town. Oh, that's not bad. I get to be in people's businesses and talk about their business to my audience. Hey, audience! Hey. Hey. See, it's working out. I can feel the power around me. Let's celebrate. I know. Let's go to Starbucks. Uh, ooh, uh, buddy. Uh, Paul, um, bad news. Yeah? Uh, ghosts from other different dimensions don't drink frappuccinos. What do you mean? Paul tries to pick up a rock off the ground, but his hand goes right through it. <laughs> but that's not fair! But that's not fair! They're, they're all on sale right now! They're, they're on sale with new flavors, double mocha! Paul tries to hit Matthew, but his fist goes right through him. <laughs> hey, that tickles a bit. The audience laughs. That's all of you that are listening to the script reading, except for the ones that's on stage. Mr. Paul Preston and the High Life Cone. Uh, it's the Twilight Zone on CBS's revolutionary, totally legitimate, well-financed, inexpensive streaming platform, CBS All Access. That's a reference to the first episode of Spec Script. Full circle. Paul starts to fly up and starts to fade away because it's the end of the episode. He has to go through the Twilight Zone training. All of Paul's friends start waving to him, and they all make that weird trademark theme song of the show that goes like... That's Chris I'm Cotty. Chris Hottamy. Kelly's on being is the best. We are over time like Bill Maher's after show, everybody. All right, peace out. I love you. Hasta luego. 
hang out with us. I have like 40 drink Sorry. tickets that I need to Hello. use. All right. Happy Halloween. Thank you for listening to SpecScript. Come to our next live episode on January 13th when we finally do Firefly. And it won't get canceled.